Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. All the marriage counseling I did for 40 years, I spoke with, you know, top Christian leaders, missionaries overseas when I did mission work overseas and did some counseling there. I mean, I have never met anybody who's had an A-plus marriage for a long time. Um, You have A-plus moments, like I said, and you probably have a few D-minus moments in marriage. Counselor Leslie Vernick is the guest today with Pastor Paul Johnson as she shares wise words from her book, The Emotionally Destructive Marriage. Leslie is an author, speaker, coach, as well as a longtime counselor. Welcome to the program, Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, I'm so glad you're with us on Life Support. What we do on this program, and it's a little bit different, we tell stories of suffering, trauma, difficulties, relevant subjects to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And so um, I'm glad you're here. We've got a great guest with us. Her name is Leslie Vernick. She is a former licensed counselor who now does relationship coaching. She's the author of seven books. She's got a wealth of knowledge. And, and Leslie, thanks a lot for being here. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here with you. It's great to, it's great to have you, except when you told us that you're in Phoenix um, today and, and we're here in Minneapolis, um, with snow in the forecast, I, I stopped liking you for a few minutes, but now I've, I've kind of recovered. Yes, that's right. So, okay, so you work with a lot of people, um, and you've done a lot of work with people who have been married, people now who are in um, difficult marriages and so forth. Um, where are we as a culture right now, um, having come out of this pandemic, or if we indeed are even coming out of it, how has this affected family life, relationships, or has it really not had that big of an effect on those things? Oh, I think it's had a huge effect. And I would say it's had a huge effect for some in a positive way. They've learned how to communicate better. They've learned to stay off of social media so they don't get all stressed out about everything. They've learned to um, have fun in simpler ways because they couldn't go to places, they couldn't go to activities. And so they learned to play games at home and they learned to um, cooperate and help one another. And, and their marriages and their families are stronger because of what happened. And then we also have people who didn't learn those lessons and they just whined and complained that they couldn't do the things that brought them pleasure or fun anymore. And they don't know how to handle their negative emotions and they don't know how to take responsibility for structuring their life because usually they have things that structured on their external world. And so their internal world started becoming very chaotic or they coped by drinking or watching porn or doing other destructive things with their free time and they're far worse for it so I think the myth that we live in in this culture as well as in Christianity is that if if life is working on the outside life should be working on the inside or if life is working on you know if if life's not working on the outside like COVID or pandemic then everybody should fall apart on the inside and that's just not true sometimes when life falls apart on the outside it gives us a huge opportunity to grow and mature and be stronger on the inside and this has been an example for some people it's been a great game changer for them and others their whole lives have fallen apart yeah does that come down to a foundation of how we're developing people to be ready for marriage within christian circles are we are we teaching them the right things are we helping them learn the right things before they even make that step 
I don't think so. I think we're leaving it to Hollywood and Harlequin to describe what a relationship looks like. And so, um, for example, I'm going to be on a podcast tomorrow and, and she wanted me to help Christian women have the amazing marriage that God has designed them to have. And, and I'm like, I don't think I can teach that because I don't think most of the women I talk to and men have amazing marriages that sometimes marriages have amazing moments for sure. But most people don't have an amazing marriage if they're married for longer than a year or two. And so I think we have to help people understand that hardship in life isn't necessarily bad. Hardship in life is actually brought into our lives in order to grow us. I mean, if you were a student and you were a math student, all you learned was addition and you never went on to subtraction or multiplication or fractions, you wouldn't learn the whole scope of math. And so to learn life, to learn relationships, we have to be encountering difficult things and how do we handle that? And right now we have an extreme immature, emotionally immature uh, culture that doesn't know how to handle difficult emotions. They just act out. Right, and I I'm, I'm really appreciate you saying that because Sometimes I'll ask myself as I'm praying, um, I'll say, Lord, you know, I, you know, I'm always praying for my marriage and so forth. And, and I'll, I'll think, well, what kind of marriage do I have? Is it, is it normal? Is it, is it good, bad? Is, it's not, it's not the all the time amazing marriage. So am I, you know, it's very hard because we do hear that a lot, you know, and, 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 we hear people, you know, our marriage was healed and now we just float along and everything is fantastic. And I'm going, wow, I must be terrible at this. So I appreciate you actually opening that door. You know, it's such a, it's such a lie. And I think, you know, so it was interesting when I went back to this young woman, I said, I don't think I can be a guest on your podcast because I don't believe that. And I can't say that. And she, you know, she was fresh faced and in her 20s said, oh, thank you for saying that because a lot of people I know aren't and we're just afraid to admit it. Wow. And all the marriage counseling I did for 40 years, I spoke with, you know, top Christian leaders, missionaries overseas when I did mission work overseas and did some counseling there. I mean, I have never met anybody who's had an A-plus marriage for a long time. Um, you have A-plus moments, like I said, and you probably have a few D-minus moments in marriage. Um, and how you navigate through that is what's going to make the marriage last. If you don't, because the Bible tells us we all struggle in many ways. Nobody marries a perfect person. But I think when we've been educated by Hollywood and Harlequin, we think, or even the church, a Christian marriage, you marry a Christian person, well, then they're going to be your Prince Charming, or they are going to be the wife of your dreams, and they're going to fulfill you and complete you. That's a myth. The only person who fulfills us and completes us is God. And we depend on another person to do that. We're making them an idol. And they can't be God for us. And so when we need someone to make us happy or make us feel important or valuable or loved, that's an inordinate burden. And we put on another person. More from Pastor Paul and Leslie Vernick in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, co-sponsor of this program. And we're excited to announce that artist Sarah Groves will be performing as a benefit of these life support resources. The date is February 24th, and tickets are now on sale. So if you're in the Twin Cities area, you can link to the tickets at fivestonemedia.com. You spell that out, fivestonemedia.com. And now back to today's interview and Pastor Paul. Yeah, it really is. Leslie Vernick is our guest, leslievernick.com. 
It is a, expectations are for me a relationship killer because we're not meant to carry the expectations of our spouse. We're meant to serve, we're meant to represent Christ in that relationship, but it's not my responsibility to fulfill all of my wife's needs. I can't. You can't. And I think the sooner that we can recognize that as husbands, as wives, as men, as women, and say, this is what I need. I need more deep conversation. And that might be a great way for you to grow, to say, wow, I don't know how to do that. And that's hard for men to admit. I need to learn how to have deeper conversations. Just like maybe a um, husband might say, I need more fun in our bedroom. And she might say, I don't know how to do that. I feel kind of wound up tight. Mm -hmm. And I might need to learn to do that in order for us to work better together or not. Sometimes I'm not going to be able to meet your need. Like if my husband said to me, I need you to cook a gourmet meal for me every night, I'd be like, sorry, <laughs> can't do it. Right. Um, it's not in my wheelhouse to do, and I'm not even interested in doing it. So I think we have to have that freedom both to say, wow, this could be an opportunity for me to grow and develop into a better person, or I don't know that God's calling me to use my energy to fulfill a fantasy of yours that I'm going to be Betty Crocker and do all this for you all the time. Yeah, no, that's that's really good because the other thing that I think we do is we set this um, when when we're talking with teenagers um, about what's next for them and 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 listen, I want to say this really clearly. I'm all I'm all in on what the Bible talks about with purity and you know I, I'm I'm a strong biblical worldview guy, and so I'm not at all saying that we should relent on that at any level. However, are we being realistic with them? about what it's going to be like once they do get married and how do you deal with the shame if you don't reach this pinnacle that we're all telling them they they need to reach and it seems to me that we haven't done a good job of kind of helping them maneuver through that yeah well, let me just share with you a story so i was teaching at liberty university so these are all single college students about relationships and what are the ingredients necessary for relationship and for a healthy relationship and so i didn't use any um purity examples, I said, what's necessary for a healthy relationship is mutuality. Both people are honest. Both people are caring. Both people are respectful, not just one, because if you only have one person doing relationship, you don't have relationship, you have ministry. That's fine, but don't confuse that with relationship. The next ingredient is reciprocity. So power and responsibility. If you're going to have a, a good relationship with someone that needs to be somewhat shared. And then lastly, the freedom. If you don't have the freedom to say, no, I don't like that, or I don't want that, or that's not good for me then you're living more as a child or a slave, and that's not a healthy, mature relationship. So one of the students afterwards came up to me and he goes, well, he goes, I don't know about this because my parents taught me that I shouldn't worry about what's in it for me and I should just be a sacrificial servant. And so, but I'm having trouble with my roommate because I'm the sacrificial servant and he's a slob and I can't handle it because I'm getting full of resentment. And this is the myth of relationships that we kind of promote in the Christian world that if you're just a suffering servant, if you just sacrifice and die to yourself, somehow this relationship is going to work. And there's a place for suffering and dying and sacrificing in ministry and even in relationship when you're doing it for the welfare of another person. So if I'm going to, you know, jump into an icy pond to save a drowning child, I might lose my life doing that, but it's for their good. Yeah. But so often our young people misinterpret that and they do that. They So he was enabling his roommate to be selfish and lazy and 
you know, and he was using sp spiritual principles or Christian verses to support that. And yet his inner life was feeling so resentful. And this is what happens in marriage is that, you know, you just need to die to yourself, or you just need to lay down your life, or you just need to keep doing this and that. And the relationship doesn't have any mutuality. There isn't mutual honesty. One's lying to them. And yet you're supposed to still try to do relationship with this person who's lying to you, or who's cheating on you, or who's hitting you or doing other gross evil things and you can't and that's the myth of relationship that somehow if you do it right and you keep your side of the street clean which is your responsibility to do mm -hmm. the relationship will work mm -hmm. and that's not true but that's the myth of our whole christian culture though is that if you do a b and c you're going to be good to go and if you if if your life isn't working out that way you've done something wrong and, and, and I'm telling you, that's per, it's, it's pervasive. It's, it is pervasive. And let me just give an illustration for your listeners biblically. Jesus uses two different examples. So when he talks about turning the other cheek, you know, he says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, go the other cheek. What he's saying there is something that Martin Luther King said when he talked about, you are not a nobody. You are a somebody. You have agency because when you have agency, when you recognize you have decisions to make, that makes you a person. That makes you free to be a person. And so Jesus is saying, don't just react when someone treats you bad. You have agency here. You can be the bigger person here. You can do the right thing. And Peter talks about that too. And so that's really important that we recognize that we have agency that even slaves when peter was talking to slaves hey slaves even when your master's acting like a jerk you are a person you're not just an object do it unto the lord so so that's one level of christianity but that doesn't apply to all relationships so jesus is talking about this when you're in a oppressive situation when the roman soldier is pulling you and saying you have to carry my pack or when the slave owner is treating his slave unjustly they don't have a relationship they're not expected to have intimacy or deep conversation or kiss one another mm -hmm. but then he says in matthew if your brother or your sister now this is a relationship if they sin against you he's not telling you to turn the other cheek mm -hmm. he's saying you confront them and tell them the harm they've done and if they repent then you've re healed that relationship here's the thing he says if they refuse bring it escalate the matter bring it to the church right. and if they refuse Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. In other words, the relationship is broken. And we just can't seem to get that in the church, especially around marriage. It's somehow the person who's you know, more spiritual has to kind of lie and pretend that we're okay when we're not. Yeah, that's, it's hard. And I find that especially with women. And I, you know, I don't do in-depth um, counseling because I, I know just enough to really uh, destroy someone. So, you know, I, as most pastors, I'll do the first meeting and then kind of refer them out. But many times I remind them that you are an image bearer of God. And, um, and as an image bearer, now, certainly we've been through the fall, the image has been scarred, whatever, however you want to put that theologically, but we still are inherently created by God. We have worth and I, I'm not here advocating that we walk away from our marriages or, you know, seek divorces and things. But uh, women really struggle with how, what, at what level do I allow this kind of stuff to keep going? And then when do I stand up and say no more? Because it's a very difficult spiritual decision. And there are some really fuzzy lines there. So how would you 
counsel someone to begin to kind of work through that process if they're in a, if they're in a marriage you said there's you know it's different difficult and then there's destructive and a difficult marriage is one thing destructive is another thing but how do you even begin to ask yourself those questions well here's a couple of things first of all, there's a wonderful verse in Proverbs, which I love about marriage. It says in Proverbs 31, he trusts her to do him good, not harm all the days of his life. So when we think about a happy long-term marriage or a happy long-term relationship of any kind or a stable one, it doesn't require romantic love, but it does require trust. You have to trust this person. If you're going to go to bed at night and sleep next to them, you have to trust them that they're going to do you good, not harm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about hurt. So the mm -hmm. Bible also says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. So sometimes what we say to our spouse, like you have bad breath, hurts our feelings or hurts our ego. Um, it's not meant to harm us. They have our back. If your wife says to you, hey, your zipper's down, yeah. you are thankful that she has your back, right? Correct. And so it might hurt your feelings a little, but it doesn't harm you. But when you're doing harmful things, when you're lying to someone, when you're betraying their trust, when you're cheating on them, when you're physically oppressing them, harming them, controlling them, denying them their God-given dignity, because they don't have a voice or a choice in this relationship under the authority of headship by some distortion of Christianity there, then this marriage isn't just hard, it's destructive. The marriage is destructive and it's destructive to the people in it. And so I think Two things I would say to a woman first is you have to grow to the place where you value your safety and your sanity and your children's safety and sanity because God values that. He doesn't ask you to be in an environment where you are being abused if you can help it. So when he tells us above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We have to educate women or anybody who's in those kind of situations that God isn't asking you to lay down your life to allow someone to continue to hurt you if you have a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be murdered by someone and you don't have a choice, but if you have a choice, you know, when Joseph was woken up in the middle of the night because Herod was going to kill baby Jesus, he didn't just say, now, Joseph, you need to obey the authority. He said, get out of Dodge. Safety is important to God. Yeah. And he wants you to be safe. And it's not just physical safety, because I think the church talks a lot about, of course, if he's going to kill you, get out. But what about spiritual safety? When someone uses the Bible to continue to oppress someone and confuse them mm -hmm. in terms of what's really true and what's right and what's good? Or what if someone controls all the money and there's no safety financially for this person. They, they don't have any access to the money. They can't even go to the doctor without their husband's permission. If he doesn't think she needs to go to the doctor, she can't go. Mm -hmm. Are those issues that she has a right to say, wait a minute, I'm not a captured slave here. This is a marriage. Mm -hmm. I have choices. Yeah. And that's difficult for Christians because we do value marriage so much. And we do believe what God says about his plan for marriage. And so... I can see, you know, I've never walked in a woman's shoes that have been in these situations, but I can only imagine there's a huge conflict going on because I know that marriage matters to God. I made a vow, and I'm not going to take that vow lightly. And so to even begin to take those steps feels like I'm violating that vow. Yeah, but I think it's really important for us to clarify the vow. So if she's saying, I promise to be your helpmate, I promise to love you, the way God loves you. Well, then that's a whole different picture because it's saying I'm committed to your welfare. 
And so if you're doing ungodly, destructive things to yourself, to me, to our kids, I'm going to call you out on it. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to do what Ephesians says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but I'm going to expose them. I'm going to the pastor. I'm not keeping this secret. You hit me. I have a bruise. I'm not keeping this secret. You've cheated on me three times and I'm going I'm to get help for me. And if you want to get help, I'm happy for you to get help too. But I'm not keeping this a secret anymore. Good, if she yeah. begins to stand up and do that, she is keeping her vows. That's right. And, oh. and, and the church has been, you know, we're, we're seeing this now in our culture, this horrendous unveiling of the secrecy. Yes. That has, I, and, and look, I've been doing this for a long time and I am shocked that this stuff has been going on in churches and hidden away because I can't even imagine a woman coming to me and saying, my husband is abusing me and just looking the other way. I, I can't even fathom that, but it's been going on in churches for years. And now we're, we're starting to you know, find that out, which is good. I mean, you got, and the, yes, women in sexual ways. And yeah, somehow, yeah. what did you do to provoke that? Even women who've gone to their pastor and said, my husband hit me. What did you do to make him so angry? Right. Yeah. You know, and those are, it's just poor, poor theology, poor psychology and poor interpersonal communication in those ways. But I think it's important for us to say, yes, God values the sanctity of marriage, but what does that mean? Because marriage is a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's a relationship. It's not just a contract. You could stay married to someone and still have a rotten to the bones marriage. Is that glorifying to God? I don't think so. I think it's more glorifying to say the marriage is dead. Let's call it for what it is, and God can resurrect it, but he's not going to resurrect something that you're not willing to work on. Yeah, I like that, because what you're saying is, let's, let's be really honest about where we are, because then we can begin to work on um, the, the root causes of this. But if we're going to just pretend that, it, you know, there are so many people, and again, I'm not, a trained, I'm not a trained anything except for, I can talk on Sundays, and that's about it. But it seems to me that there are a lot of people who just settle for whatever they can get and you know this is the way it's going to be the rest of my life and 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 I you know whatever I don't think that's what God's calling us to do and I, I think God's calling us to be honest with him and be honest with our spouse and say honey you know we I think this could be better we're not we could do better in this area let's, let's work on this together or like you said earlier honey I'm I'm not this isn't good I'm not enjoying this part of our marriage this is hurting me but I think it's very rare that couples have those kind of in-depth discussions because there's a lot of fear there. There's, it could go in a direction that could be very frightening because the marriage is at risk when you start talking like that. Well, that's right. But I think that's where God calls us to be God-centered people, not marriage-centered people. And we as a church have made an idol out of marriage. Like if you're a divorced woman or a divorced man, you're a second-class citizen, but that's not true. And so marriage is a wonderful opportunity as family life but it has its problems just like having kids has its problems you know and it's and it's got its struggles and you don't want to just say I don't want to be a parent or throw that up but but you want to do it in the wisest way according to God's standards and so in a marriage when the relationship is broken any relation all relationships get broken to some degree it was interesting I was doing a conference at the American Association of Christian Counselors on this and we did an exercise and I said all right how many of you 600 people I said break up into groups of three how many of you have ever had a broken relationship maybe it was a, a childhood friend who lied about you or a friend who betrayed you in some way a boss that took promotion for you instead of you getting the credit for something whatever way you think of how you were betrayed these are all Christians all Christian counselors all pastors what happened to the relationship when you were betrayed what happened to the relationship and if it was repaired, 
How was it repaired? Out of 600 people in the room, less than 10 people said their relationship was repaired. Wow. Mm -hmm. So all these people had an experience of a broken relationship, maybe not marriage. Yeah. We have that experience because of sin. Yeah. But what we're not teaching is how to repair the relationship. And we kind of go into this Pollyanna, well, love covers a multitude of sins and love keeps no record of wrongs. But the Bible doesn't really teach that. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul said that, and there's certain places for that, but not for the biggies. For the biggies, mm -hmm. he says, confront evil, confront sin, deal with it. So we work mainly with women in uh, Christian women in destructive marriages. We have a lot of different coaching programs for you. We have one-on-one -on -one coaching or group coaching to help you kind of Get your sea legs under you because what happens when you're in a destructive marriage is you start getting reactive. Either you become very depressed or you start getting very angry and you're handling yourself in ways that aren't honoring to yourself either. Mm -hmm. Even though your husband's dishonored you, you're dishonoring yourself. You're cheating on him. You're screaming. You're you know, throwing the F-bomb out of him in front of your kids, whatever you're doing. And so we really help them to stop and learn to control their emotions, which is part of emotional maturity. Learning how to speak the truth in love learning to how to uncover the unfruitful deeds of darkness and have that tough conversation with their husband as a God-centered woman, not a marriage-centered woman. Because if he says no, she's got to be able to handle that mm -hmm. and know that God's taking her to a better place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. So that's lesliebrunick.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us. It's been really, really helpful. Appreciate Thanks it very much. Me. Yeah. And you know, I want you to remember too that God is always walking alongside of you and we do live in a broken world, and, and it, it's broken to the point where it can be really hurtful. And sometimes we feel alone, sometimes we feel like no one cares about us, but I want you to know that God does care. God has promised to never forsake you. He will always be with you, and so you can be honest with God. If you're struggling, tell God you're struggling. Ask Him for wisdom. Tell somebody. If you're being hurt, do not settle for that. Go to, go to your pastor. Go to an authority. Do something. But remember that God is going to be there always for you. Hey, that's what we do here, too. We want to tell stories that are helpful. And I want to thank our, our wonderful partners, Faith Radio at MyFaithRadio.com, Pystone Media. You can see a video version of this podcast there. And check us out at Ridgewood Church, too, at MyRWC.org. Thanks a lot for being here. We'll see you next time on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.